Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. This podcast was recorded in May 2020 during the coronavirus outbreak, so please excuse any sound issues as we are recording remotely. For the latest information on financial support and benefits, visit gov.uk forward slash coronavirus. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, presenter and broadcast journalist. Now, what motivates and gives people the determination to achieve? Joining me remotely from his home is Sam Ruddock, who is a Paralympic track cycling athlete. Now, Sam's represented Great Britain and made his international debut at the London 2012 Paralympic Games. And in this edition of The Penny Drops, I'm talking to Sam about his career in sport and delving into how he's dealt with the financial pressures alongside the mental and physical ones in order to succeed. Now, Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to to, to almost reach out to the outside world without having having left my front door. But I know. <laughs> we're, ba- we're basically all in our pyjamas right now. <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> Well, you were saying you, you've actually been for a cycle already today, haven't you? So you're definitely not in your pyjamas. Uh, no, I, I had to get out of my pyjamas cycle. I, I was on the turbo today, actually, so it was a bit of a static bike work. Saturday, the weather was wonderful, so I had a three-hour ride around the around the local area where, where I live. That was really good, too. So it's nice to be allowed to be outside to, to keep my legs moving. Otherwise, I'd, 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 be, I'd be going crazy, if I'm honest. Yes, I think we're going to have lots of um, inspiration to do some exercise from you on today's chat. But let's wind it right back to the start. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. What was it like growing up? Well, I'm from, I'm from a town called Rugby. That's where I was born and bred, uh, where the beautiful game uh, was invented. And that's rugby, not football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's my bias. My childhood was, was a happy one. Uh, I actually had a conversation with my, with my mum about this last week. And she said that I was always happy but there was never a dull moment. Um, anybody from the outside looking in would have said we weren't the most well-off um, of, of families. I certainly remember stories of having to look for change down the back of the sofa to find to find loaves of bread when I, when I was little. When my, when my brother came along, uh, I was born in 1990, he came along in 93, so the family grew quite quickly. I think we, we, we didn't know that we, we, weren't, we weren't the most well-off people. I think we, we were just very happy and we made the best of what we had. And you've had quite the journey into sport, like you said, growing up in rugby um, and you went to Loughborough as well which I think is quite a, quite a sporty uni so what was your journey into sport from a young child to where you are now? started very very late um, I, uh, I was inspired and influenced by uh, films such as Space Jam so Michael Jordan was, was, a, was a big inspiration for me uh, getting into the sport of basketball uh, but it didn't really start until, until my teenage years really when I started doing uh, more than just PE at school I joined the, the after school basketball club uh, and I just tried my best to get involved uh, in, in everything that I could and then it all exploded when I turned 16 and went to my A-levels um, at rugby school and, and took on the likes of Eton and Harrow at, at rugby, basketball, mm. football. So, and the, 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 thing, the thing with going to rugby was if you didn't play games or you didn't do PE, um, you, you didn't get a lot of respect from your peers. That, that, was, that was the law of the jungle. And you weren't allowed anyway. Um, if, you, if you avoided games and didn't have a doctor's note to excuse yourself, um, you were put in detention. So that, <laughs> that, that, that idea of, of, of education of education going hand in hand with physical exertion, with sport, with physical activity, the idea 
idea that they go hand in hand, that they go together, uh, was kind of ingrained and forced into me from, from, from that point onwards. And then when I got to Loughborough, that exploded mm. tenfold uh, to, to the nth degree. So that's where it all came to a head. But the, the, the dream of being a, a Paralympian, uh, being sport being my professional vocation, uh, that was never on the radar until towards the end of towards the end of my university career, if we can call it that. How did you become the Paralympian athlete that we know today? What how how did that how did that enter your world? I started playing uh, American football. Uh, I couldn't play rugby and I couldn't play basketball because the the level of competition was far too high at a place like Loughborough, as you can probably imagine. That place boasts many, many, many Olympians and Paralympian people that have competed at the highest level across all sports, male and female. But American football was a great sport for me to try out because um, uh, there were no tryouts uh, for the the sport at the time. And I played that for three years and it was in my final year that we did some, some special testing. Anybody that watches uh, football or the NFL will, will have heard of the NFL Combine, the national testing centre practice that the professionals do with all the college players and then select those college players for NFL teams. So we, we do our own Combine, but it's purely for our physical testing, our attributes and to see how well we're doing across the season. So it was during these tests that I was spotted by an athletics coach who coached at the local athletics club in Loughborough, which is Charnwood Athletics Club. And he asked me if I'd considered sprinting. Now, initially, I thought he was absolutely outside of his mind because I don't, I don't run from point A to B for speed. I do it just, just to see if I can get there. Um, with, with my cerebral palsy, which is what makes me Paralympic, um, it severely affects my legs and my coordination. So running was never really something that I did and was tested on just that one thing, running from one point to another point was something I was not interested in. But he said, have you considered the Paralympics compete against others that have the same disability as you? I feel like you have some talent. You never know what could happen. And that was in January of 2012. And then seven months later, we're doing that very same thing, sprinting 100 metres, but this time it was in front of 80,000 people um, <laughs> at, the, at the Olympic Stadium uh, for the very first time in a GB vest at the London 2012 Paralympic Games. That was nearly 10 years ago now. It, it, was, it was frightening the transition from competing from no from no track experience uh going as far as coming last in sports day literally every single time uh to competing uh for the country um for our country at that level yeah it was it was uh, a wild ride to, to say the least but it, it sounds amazing and like you say you seem to have been open to so many sports and once again you've moved on from track and field which people will know you from from 2012 to cycling so how did that change come about what bike training and static bike training has always been a really important part of, an, of any athlete's conditioning particularly in, in, in track and field if you run track uh, I, I switched from the sprints to throws so I threw shot put in Rio um, so to maintain levels of fitness and also when you're on the what bike you are avoiding making contact with the ground essentially so you're allowed to maintain your your physical your aerobic fitness without uh, uh, impacting the joints or the muscles that you would traditionally do if you were training for cardio, i.e. long distance running, for example. So I already had that that almost training base of of turning pedals over. And I've always ridden a bike. Uh, Stabilizers were there for a very long time, as you can probably imagine. (laughs) It was only after the 2018-2019 season in athletics that I wanted to... I felt like I had unfinished business. I didn't enjoy throwing as much as I as much as I had and I knew that I still had more to give and there was more there 
was more for me to do at this level. So it was going through another talent ID process. UK Sport had a had a had a talent wide search. Uh, multiple sports came to Loughborough, um, their NGBs, looking for athletes to to invite into their programs, their their, their talent programs, as it were. And uh, cycling was there, British cycling, and I did the uh, the the sixty the, the one minute test, the three minute test. Basically, you pedal as hard as you can, as fast as you can for that for that total. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's absolutely <laughs> horrible. I wasn't expecting any thing out of it to be honest i was just happy to to be in a, in a training environment and being watched by some of the best coaches um, in the business but it was only until i spoke with john lenton who who is the the head of the, the head of para talent at british cycling he approached me afterwards and said strictly speaking i can't approach you in this in this manner because i have to wait for uk sport to tell to tell me tell you that you are interested in cycling but just to let you know if, if you fit into the classification that i think you do you could do some real damage um in in the future so so let's see what happens uh, and interestingly phil hogg who is the head of uh, british triathlon uh para talent uh, he was also there and we, we know each other quite well and he said sam how do you feel about swimming because uh, i know you can run and, and you just rode <laughs> the hell out of that bike so what do you think and i turned around to him and i said phil Water is for drinking, my friend. You will never find me <laughs> swimming in it. <laughs> and and, and wow. the, rest, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, you were fending off offers from everywhere. I'm frankly exhausted just thinking about all of those trials. So let's talk about finance for a little bit, Sam. How did you manage financially when it came to starting out in terms of supporting yourself when it came to training? And obviously, we know you went through uni and things like that. So how did all of the money side of things work for you? Being a university student, as you know, you, you feel as if you are... Well, richest people in the world for, for, for three years uh, whereas you know it, it, it's it, it, it's not your money it's someone mm. else's money and then, and then you leave and you realize hmm, I actually have to pay all this back at some point every maintenance grant every maintenance loan that I ever received I have to give it back up until university I've been very fortunate through my own hard work and through encouragement from from mum back at home I've been a product of everybody else's time and effort so scholarships uh, it's been part of my education for a very long time. So I, I was an academic scholar um, at rugby and I received a few grants whilst I was at Loughborough for academic performance too. So, and if, if, if it weren't for those scholarships, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. So when it came to Loughborough uh, and leaving that safety net of university, and I, I, had, a, I had a part-time job at the university, at the Students' Union. I, I worked um, whilst I was training and whilst I was studying uh, for my degree. And it was it was after leaving that safety net that things got quite difficult. I, I, I have to admit, um, in 2013, immediately after uh, the Paralympic Games, that the post Paralympic Games depression is is a real thing, especially no. especially after a games like 2012, where we honestly had seen nothing like it in in in, in our in our lifetimes as sports people as fans. I don't think we ever will again. Um, but to just be at at that pinnacle, at that peak, and just be thrown back into normal society it was quite a shock with no real means of income because I wasn't at university. I couldn't work at the Student's Union anymore because I was not a student. So it was only until I started to secure some work um, with Youth Sport Trust uh, through the help of a friend. Uh, and if it wasn't for them, I, I would be between a rock and a hard place. I would have been very, 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 very stuck. Um, so it was only through that work that I was able to maintain my training and maintain the levels of training that I had to do because I was not, as 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 some athletes are very fortunate to be, I was not in receipt of the uh, national lottery funding that is offered to UK Sport NGB. I was without that. So I had to do it old school, like lots of athletes did back in the day before, before lottery funding came along and actually work and train at the same time. <laughs> 
Well, it seems like you you always had that work ethic. I think lots of people will be able to, you know, look back and, and see what you've described as their uni days. It, it's exactly how you've just described it. You sort of work in the student bar and you don't really worry about paying things back. But now you've sort of come back from having trained and, you know, finding work. Have you kind of changed your way of thinking when it comes to your finances? Do you think you've learned quite a lot since the student days and pre-2012? I was never really very flippant with, with my finances anyway. I think any, anybody anybody that knows me closely enough, um, <laughs> immediate family will tell you that, that I behave like Fagin. <laughs> I'm a scrounger, uh, I scrimp and I save, even if I feel like uh, I'm particularly flush for whatever reason, which would, ne- which would never ever happen to me, I don't think. Um, I've always been a fan of saving. I always make sure that I have more than I need in case of an emergency. I guess it all started from uh, from uh, EMA, Education Maintenance Allowance, was still a government subsidy, as it were, for those that were in education after after uh, after you'd left compulsory education. Uh, and, and I and I saved that money to make sure that I had enough, had enough to pay my mobile phone bill. If mm-hmm. I wanted something and it cost money, I had to go and earn it for myself. Um, so that's something that is it's always always something that's come from the top down. And it sounds like you formed some great habits along the way as well. But uh, how does having a disability impact uh, financially? Do you think? I'm quite fortunate in the sense that my my cerebral palsy is very mild, and my my mobility it's it's obviously been improved through through uh, physio in the mm. NHS in, in early child development. I, I was very very fortunate to have, have a very uh, a, a physiotherapist that was as stubborn stubborn as I was, and and my <laughs> mum to go with it as well. So we've made a formidable team. Even though I hated all those physio sessions, it turned out it it helped me to turn out better uh, than we could have hoped for, and I was able to be independent. And look after myself, but unfortunately, I, I'm I'm so I'm mobile enough that I don't have I don't have to rely on any any sort of personal independence payment. When it comes to people who are um, diagnosed, you talk about your physio there, the NHS, um, personal independent payments. I think you said as well there. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other places, any other things that people could look to for help when it comes to finances? Do you think? I think charities are, are, are a very, very good place to start in terms of looking for uh, financial help and support. The, the brilliant thing about about social media and the internet now is that you're able to find communities that are in the same position as you. So, so they're able to provide uh, advice uh, and help uh, to, to those that might need it because you suddenly find, just like I did with, through the Paralympic Games, that there's a there's a whole community that, that is just like you and has a very, very and has had a very similar. Um, upbringing, experience, and, and I've learned and I've learned the same lessons. I think with with charities such, such as Scope, um, Scope for example, they're they're a, they're a great charity that work that work with disability, and I've had dealings with them in the past. Um, and I, I think that would that would be a great place to start if you're if you're ever looking for help. Well, talking about money and going back to sport again, as we should, you talked about, you know, 2013, having been at the Paralympic Games in 2012. Um, I don't think people kind of understand how funding and sponsorship and financial support works for athletes. So can you talk us through how that kind of works? Well, uh, in, in, a, in a Paralympic sense, you have to be uh, a world record holder, um, a gold medalist uh, and, and be 
very, very, very accomplished to even attract uh, the kind of sponsorship that you would hope that we'd hope an Olympian would attract. We are a minority sport in the sense there is not a lot of exposure uh, from from the from the media in terms of not that it's their fault. It's, it's it just it just so happens that we will never be as popular as say football, rugby, cricket, even sports that that have a particular have a much smaller fan bases that are able to command those lucrative deals and sponsorship and attract sponsorship such as golf, darts, etc. We'll, we'll, we'll never have we'll never have that kind of clout. So uh, I think you have to be really, really, really savvy with how with how you conduct yourself, particularly online, uh, and find a story that, uh, that is attractive and a story that people can actually relate to. That's something that that is going to that is going to help anybody out, um, particularly in my position. So it's not necessarily the financial reward in terms of sponsorship, but it's the kind of relationships that you can establish with another business. There, there is lots more that we can do to promote ourselves and put ourselves in a better financial position in terms of our achievements through sport. But we have to be thankful that, that we have have a bigger pedestal now than we did uh, 10 years ago. It seems like it's a bit about doing something to make sure people know exactly what you have achieved as an athlete that maybe brings in that funding and sponsorship and the other kind of, like you say, the business connections you can make? Yes, I, I, would, I, would, agree with, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. It's more about the, uh, the relationships uh, that, that, that you can create and they, and they may pay off further in the future um, with, 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 with investment in uh, in time and time and effort, which which in some cases is, is more more valuable than any any financial reward to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody values things differently, and uh, Paralympic sport is is soon to be getting, especially with Tokyo on the horizon, and that that games will 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 certainly surpass Rio in terms of uh, in terms of interest uh, and marketing. Would have been great if it happened this summer. Uh, yes, but unfortunately, <laughs> as circumstances allow. Um, the world has bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I do want to get on to Tokyo 2020 because it must be quite difficult to keep focused when it's now been postponed a little bit further. But just going back to 2012 again, that debut, you, you describe it as terrifying. <laughs> was it Was it still a moment you absolutely tr- cherish? Uh, if, you, if you think, if you think that I, I was terrified, how, how do you think my, my mum felt being sat up there in the stands with, 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 with my, my brother, my stepdad, and my sisters, the whole family? As, as far as she was concerned, I was down there as, as a 22-year-old wearing the GB vest, the Union Jack, about to compete in front of 80,000 people. Um, she couldn't believe what, what, what she what she was seeing. She wanted to do it for me. That, that that's what she said. <laughs> but then, but then she said she thought back to when I came along, when I first came along, and my head was the size of a tennis ball, and I weighed the same as a bag of sugar. I was a tiny, mm. tiny premature baby. Um, that, that's how I acquired um, my cerebral palsy. Uh, and uh, she said she couldn't believe that you were you were that small, fed by a test tube and an incubator. You really, by all accounts, you shouldn't be here. And there you are in front of all these people about to, about to run that race. Um, so she was she was absolutely um, beside herself. Um, but uh, for me, I, 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 I was terrified um, at the time. But but the experience was something that I. I won't forget in a hurry, especially when you hear your name being announced over the PA system and there's intense roar from the crowd. The only way that I can describe it is almost like being stood next to a jet engine. If you're ever fortunate enough to, to, to watch to watch planes taxi or take off 
uh, an airfield, that would be the closest thing to it because that noise was absolutely deafening. And then when the starter said, uh, on your marks, the noise just stopped and you could hear a pin drop. And it was just, it, ga- it gave me goosebumps. My hair stood on end and I still realised I actually had a job to do. I had to get into the blocks and get ready to run this race. Um, and then when I got over that and then the 200 metres came along, I enjoyed the experience much more. I soaked it up, I played mm-hmm. to the crowd uh, and I realised that this <laughs> This was an opportunity that I would I would never get again in my lifetime. Athletes that, that train and compete have dreams of being at, at Olympics and at Paralympics, but when your country is the host nation, that is honestly the pinnacle. Uh, and, and it was some, it's something that I will always look back on and think I, I was very very grateful um, to be a part of it because that's a moment in history that, that no one can take away from me. <laughs> so, thank you for sharing that. You you say you had goosebumps. I've got goosebumps just listening to that story again. That's amazing. And like you say, everything that your mum says just goes to show that your physical achievements uh, mean even more. But talking about the physical, you you mentioned sort of the post-Olympic depression as well. What do you think you need in terms of mental fitness to stay focused, to train? You need to have a very, very strong sense of purpose. And and I I think a lot of people are... I will find out over over the coming weeks and the coming months just just exactly what it is they want to get out of uh, of what it, whatever it is they're doing. The the thing that keeps me motivated is is is, is what I want. The ultimate goal is to, is to go to another Paralympic Games and actually not just come back with some creation. Uh, <laughs> I actually want to come back with something around my neck that's tangible. <laughs> Um, I want to stand on the podium, uh, whether whether it's bronze, whether it's silver, and and hopefully gold. I mean, I mean, the dream would be would be to hear the national anthem, to be in the number one spot. I, I, I value I value my performance more over a medal. I'd rather go to a games and achieve a personal best uh, and have the medals fall, have the medals fall where they will. So that 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 is ultimately what I'm focused on. That's my that's my why. That's my reason. That's the reason I'm getting up in the morning and I'm training because w- w- without that training or your your practicing or you're investing in yourself with, with no real idea of where that investment is going. Where, how, where am I going to withdraw it and how is it going to, how is it going to pay off in the future? So that's what's keeping my brain um, ticking over. But of, but of course, we all have days, don't we, where when we treat something like a job, we don't want to get up for work. So you, you have to, you have to take, take the good with the bad. And sometimes if you need a day off, you need some time off to just kind of recuperate, regenerate, that, then that's absolutely fine. As long as you remember that, that, that recovery, and that's something that I've, that I've had to really ingrain into myself, that rest and recovery is just as important as the work you put in towards the goal that you've uh, set for yourself. Yeah, and it's so amazing to you say that as as great as the medal would be, the real motivation for you is like that PB because you'll you'll always have something to strive for, surely. Yeah, that that's 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 the one thing that that I'm I'm quite, I'm quite thankful in, and I, I I was I'm, I'm an academic first and foremost. I, I went to university to get my degree. Can uh, I just say as well, you did get a first. <laughs> yeah, just throw <laughs> that out there. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to. Going to say anything, but um, didn't think yeah, you would, I was, so I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It all started from being encouraged to, to 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 go to rugby, to go to one of the best schools on scholarship. Um, that that money that that my, that my that my grandma gave me to take the exams. Mm. That, that I wanted to pay her back for that to give me that opportunity. So I thought, if I'm here on scholarship, but I'm someone else's time and money, I'm going to make the most of this. So I left rugby and then did the same thing 
at Loughborough. Um, so I'm, I'm always trying to squeeze the most that I can out of it, out of, every, out of everything that I do. I, w- I would hate to, um, to, to, to perform in, in any capacity where I knew I had to do my best and, and that I left something behind. I'd hate to look back on something and regret that I didn't put 100% into it when I had the opportunity to do so because there's, there's nothing stopping me from doing that other than, other than myself. And I, I was going to say, I mean, you, you say January feels like a long time ago. It feels as long ago as 2012. today isn't it but would you say that was your proudest sporting moment then what's been your proudest so far in your career oh wow uh (laughs) it's 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 really it's really hard to pinpoint um one that's made me feel the most uh uh, the most proud uh, learn 2012 is is extremely high on the list um, mm. throwing a, throwing a personal best at the world championships in Doha in 2013 and 2015 in the shot put that was incredible my first ever ever international medal at the European championships in, in 2016 so on the podium for the first time that was that that was that was pretty high up there I, I, it's it's really hard, it's really hard to find one I, I feel I feel like it's yet to come the one the one that will give me the most satisfaction is actually going going to a power Olympic Games, um, win it, winning a medal, and knowing that I've taken on the best in the world at the time uh, and, and, and done as best as I could. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint uh, the proudest moment because every moment that I have had uh, whilst wearing um, the Union Jack, the GB vest, has, has, has given me a different lesson every single time. So that, that, that's, why, that's why I take the most from all the, all the experiences that I've had, um, achievements and, and, and lessons learned. So we've talked about uh, 2012. Let's talk Tokyo. With the 2020 Paralympics being postponed, how did it feel when you heard that news and how do you mentally move on and focus on that challenge now it's been pushed into the future? Perspective, perspective I, I, I think, is everything. As, as I've said before, um, I've, I've always had more to do. That there's more to me than, than just Sam the athlete. Um, there, there's Sam, Sam the human being, Sam the brother, Sam the mentor. Um, mm. there, there, there's a lot. There is a lot more for me to do. Uh, this is just one, one, one part of my of, of, of the book, of, of the journal, of, of the journey. Uh, and it's just it's just a short diversion in the road, which we will all come back to eventually. When the news was, was announced, uh, I'd already made peace in my own head. As soon as as soon as things had started to uh, to change with regards to uh, to coronavirus, uh, I'd already made peace that the games were going to be postponed. And obviously, I, I I was a little bit upset. And people were people went to the nth degree. They were devastated. They couldn't believe it. Something they worked towards for four years. Sport is their lives, and they they are absolutely entitled and and, des- and deserve um, to to feel that way. But personally, from 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 my perspective, I I saw it in. In, in the wider context and that we're very fortunate to be able to do what we do and there are lots of people that are in a much worse position and and there is there is there sometimes there are things like this happen to show you that there, there is more to life um than, than what it is you're currently doing even if it is the big old end or um the games will still happen but everybody has to be safe and that is the number one priority yeah that's a lovely message um sam i also wanted to ask as you've progressed as an athlete how have things changed for you financially and how have you managed that and and do you have any like financial goals for the future that's a really good question this is some this is something that i don't something that i don't think about often enough actually it's 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 what will happen in the future because even though i'm even though i'm only 30 years old and and, and you only have you only have to look as far as dame uh, as dame sarah story a woman that is in her late 40s and is still kicking ass all over, mm-hmm. all over the world multiple multiple time paralympic champion uh, I, i've got lots of years left in me i'm aging like a fine wine and, and people often say <laughs> 
people often say when when, when you get when you get to when you get to thirty, it, it, life has only, only just begun. Uh, so it's like zero to, zero to twenty five wasn't it was an apprenticeship. Financially, uh, I think I've I've, I've become a, a lot more stable with uh, with my income. So so with my work, mentoring with the U Sport Trust, um, I, I do have a more regular job too with a charity called Inspire Plus. And they do very similar work to the Youth Sport Trust, but their main vice is in primary education. Uh, so we provide and facilitate uh, greater and more wholesome PE and physical education, as it were, for, for Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2, um, not only with children, but also helping teachers uh, with, with their delivery and, and with their practice and, and building their confidence. So that's a job that I have three days a week. So at this point in time, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never, ever going to be at the behest of, uh, of, of a performance director making a decision to keep me on program for the next year i i wouldn't want to be um, in that position whether the offer comes along or not next year from british cycling absolutely i will take it it will give me more time to more time to train um and focus on on the ultimate goal of going to a paralympics and, and achieving uh, success there uh, but i never want to be have a feeling that i'm out of control of, of my destiny um financially as far as the future is concerned in terms in terms of retirement uh i'm gonna <laughs> getting a real job um as it were <laughs> something it's something that i haven't i haven't given um much thought to but i've learned so much there are so many skills um that, I, that i've developed uh, and as i've said before Networking and relationships is a really, really, really big, really big part of uh, of investment in my perspective. And you mentioned your work with Inspire Plus. Um, uh, talk a little bit about your youth mentorship with the Youth Sports Trust as well. It's fantastic fun. Uh, the, the main program that I work with um, on the Youth Sports Trust is, is one called Projectability, Step into Sport. So it, it's taking it's taking PE, it's taking sport and physical activity, uh, and making sure that it's accessible for all, regardless of ability. The, the key things that I deliver on is, is helping young people become more confident um, in leadership uh, and realizing that they can be role models for sport and PE within their own schools and within within their own communities. It's great for me to to share stories and and tell them and give them the the, the motivation to go and deliver if we don't empower them if we don't if we don't give them the tools to actually affect their own peers and and, and their own friends then we're not doing our job properly so so that that really is 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 the job uh, in a nutshell so sam are you it sounds like you're probably the hero of lots of those kids that you're working with um i wanted to ask sam who is your hero my hero there's, there's, there's only one one answer to that question and that is uh, that, that is that is obviously uh the great one uh the people's champion uh also known as Dwayne the rock uh, Johnson. <laughs> my absolute hero I, I don't i don't know whether whether it whether it's fanboying or whether it's a crush but i i know if i if i didn't have cerebral palsy i probably would have wanted to be a professional wrestler um, yes you're a fan as well as well as the nfl something. you're yeah, I, I really, 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 I really, really, really enjoy it. Um, Theatre is something that's always been quite prevalent in, the, in our family. My, my, my younger brother is uh, shouting, shouting him out. Um, he, he, he was uh, James Madison and Hercules Mulligan in, in Hamilton. Wow. And, he has, and he has been for the past two years. And we, we always were involved in, in youth theatre uh, back home in, in rugby, uh, rugby theatre during the summer. So we've always been... Uh, inclined to, to toe the, the thespian line so and so professional wrestling is just an extension of that even though people say oh Sam why would you watch that it's fake but these are highly trained athletes that are putting on a show putting on an, an, an entertainment and The Rock was so, so and he still is so 
so charismatic and he was strong and he was well built and defined and I, I people like Michael Jordan and the Rock and uh, the, the Gladiators when they were on television in the in, in, in the nineties, all of yes. these larger than life characters I really gravitated towards when I was younger because they had everything that I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, they, they had they had stability, they had coordination, they were flexible, they were strong, they were powerful, they were fast, and these were these were things I wanted to have for myself uh, because because I had I had chicken legs. <laughs> these are things that I wanted so I gravitated towards those characters um, and The Rock's attitude um, you know uh, just bring it all of his catchphrases something that, that, that I took to heart uh, and, and loved to love to pretend to be that I was going to be like him one day <laughs> I love that they're both like a crossover of like you say uh, performance and sports and The Rock's amazing he was so good in Jumanji and Fighting With My Family which you've probably seen yes. you've seen that film yes, yes. Mm-hmm. great in that Outside of training, then, it seems like, do you watch a lot of Gladiators back when you're relaxing or lots of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? At the moment, in, in, in my spare time, um, people often people will often, get it, will often get it confused or conflicted. Gamers can also be athletes at, and vice versa. <laughs> when, when, when people think about, uh, especially whenever, whenever I do my mentoring, my mentoring with, with young people, particularly the boys, when I ask them about, oh, so guys, how did you spend your weekend? Fortnite. Easily, yes. It's easy. Mm. It, 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 the, the number one thing they tell me is I'm on PlayStation on my Xbox. Exactly what I was doing when I was nine <laughs> years old. I can't blame them except for me. It was Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. Uh, yeah. the, the online, the online world did not exist. We actually had to sit in front of in front of a in front of a box in front of a PlayStation and play either with our friends and they were in the room at the same time. They'll never know what the world was like pre Wi-Fi. <laughs> bless them. But 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 the point. But um, as, as far as me uh, relaxing and whining, I, I, I'm a gamer. I game with friends. I like a good single player. Uh, adventure um, and, and as I said I really I really am enjoying um, that documentary on Netflix The Last Dance about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and their, their last season in 97-98 it's a great time capsule to look back into just to see what the world was like only nearly 25 years ago yeah. I was too young to even to even remember really what it was like because obviously you, you don't know what's really around you until you're until you're a teenager it's a great thing to see just what the world what the world was like how athletes behaved how people behaved um socially not not just the the, the crux of the of the uh of the of the series, Michael Jordan and, and that team, but it's also the relationships, how the media worked. I've never seen so much media surrounded his um, his retirement. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. when news travelled differently. When we didn't, when we weren't connected twenty four seven, things travelled so differently. It's just fascinating to see to have a little glimpse into what the world was like and, and how how far we've come and how much it's changed. Um, so yeah, th- th- things like that. So gaming, uh, uh, Netflix, uh, and music and music as well. I, I'm, I'm a massive audio file there's nothing better i love than listening listening to music so that's something that i really really enjoy do you have any music that you listen to when you train yes i i have i have multiple playlists for training it depends it depends on what i'm doing so so whilst i was on my three-hour ride i have a playlist called definitive dance classics nice uh, and, and it, it's it's all stuff that, that my mum used to play when she was getting ready for work when i was little it's all trance it's trance club uh, house, all that kind of stuff. So, so music that's really energetic and also takes you on a bit of a journey. Pharrell Williams once said in a podcast that I listened to quite recently that chords, chords, musical chords are like coordinates. They're meant to take you somewhere. They're meant to make you feel something. So, so I put that on when I'm riding. When I'm in the gym, the music, the music is a bit more aggressive. It's usually on the lo- on the lines of uh, of hip hop or uh, or, or some heavy metal. 
um, yeah, there, there's lots of things I like to listen to. I'm very melody and and and, and beat and beat driven. Uh, so uh, music is really, really, really big in terms of motivating, uh, motivating me for training. It, it, it either calms me down or it boosts my mood. It, it never ever gets me into the zone for training because you don't want the juices to flow too much because that's when things start to go wrong and injuries occur. So we want to be calm and happy and have music that supplements training rather than rather than elevates it too much. Yeah, I'm going to have to get my dance playlist on aren't I to go out for I'll, a run later I'll, 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 I'll send you a link <laughs> oh do yes share your share your playlists with me um, now we've covered so much in our chat today Sam um, but I just wanted to know if there are like three takeaways that you really hope people remember from our chat today what would they be hmm I think I think take I think takeaway number one would have to be that um, every opportunity that you have uh, you and that you're given, do not be afraid of it, and make sure that you say you say yes. I, I know that if I hadn't said yeah, if I hadn't said yes to Joe, uh, that athletics coach in, in 2012, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because if if I'd have said no, what would I have gotten from the opportunity? Absolutely nothing. And what can you do with nothing? Nothing. So <laughs> so that, that 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 would be that would be point number one. Point number two. Uh, every every opportunity is an experience that you can learn from and whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's something that's going to help shape shape your perspective for the next challenge that you do. A- alongside having the bravery to say yes to opportunity, don't be afraid of it going wrong because nothing ever really goes wrong. It's just something that didn't quite go your way and it's something that you can learn from. And, num- and number three, I think the last thing would be um, don't make moves unless your heart's in it. Uh, that's, that, that's a notorious uh, B.I.G. lyric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, 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 on, it's on his um, song, a song of uh, his uh, second album, I think, Life After Death. Um, yeah, and he says, "Never make moves unless your heart's in it. Um, if, if, if it isn't fun and you want and you want enjoying it, and obviously with something that I do, like, like training, there, there are training sessions that I absolutely hate, but and, and there are training sessions that I don't like at all. But the, the goal that I'm working towards, that's something that I enjoy. That's something that that my that my heart is truly in. So if you're doing something and your heart isn't in it, um, then, then it might be time to look for something else to do because we're, we're only here once. Our time is limited, and if you're doing something and you're not enjoying it, you need to find something that you do enjoy, something that puts a smile on your face, something that makes you feel happy, something that makes others feel happy. So, yeah, um, number three, the last thing would be don't make moves unless your heart's in it. I love that. Thank you so much for those, Sam. And just a reminder for anyone, before we get on to our final question, there will be loads more resources in the show notes wherever you are listening to this podcast. And finally, we always ask our guests, if you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be, Sam? The piece of advice that I, I, would, get, I would give myself if I, if I was 18 would probably have to be, listen to what your, what your mum has told you. Um, you need to invest in yourself now. Use time and effort. Those are the two currencies that you currently possess an abundance of if you invest those now you'll be able to you'll be able to withdraw the cash later and i don't know i don't know if, you, if you've seen the film jerry Maguire. Um, yes the one uh, with, with jerry and rod there's that show me the money yes yeah, yeah that's, that's, that, i love that there's a scene between jerry and rod show me the money so good so every time every time i'm training and i'm in the hole and i'm really 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 struggling i think about all that investment in training that i've already done i tell myself now come on show me the money show show me yeah. show me the investment and withdraw on this investment so um that's the that, that's the advice i give myself to just keep keep investing because the chance to withdraw will be there for you in the future if you keep doing it um so yeah that that's the advice i'd give my 18 year old self 
I love that. Yes, you've been investing in that bank ever since you were 18. I love it. Sam Ruddock, <laughs> uh, continue to age like a fine wine. Um, thank thank you, you so much for joining me on the Penny Drops podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London, determination since 1861. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Mm -hmm.